Here we go. My brother warriors. Mighty shall be the wrath they feel upon our assault. Arm yourselves well, brother warriors, and steal your righteousness. Gird yourself for holy combat and go forth. Now, your host, the Librarian. Welcome back, brothers, to another episode of Fight Night, the official podcast of the 40K Fight Club, where we talk about Warhammer, Warhammer 40K, and the Games Workshop hobby. Uh, now I've brought back uh, one of uh, our more uh, more active guests, uh, Ian, or known on the Fight Club as uh, the Jesus. How you doing tonight, Ian? Doing great, Jerry. How you doing? Uh, all right. Uh, you know, I got to ask, because I, I'll never remember, but what in the hell, where'd you get the, the, the handle like that? <laughs> Uh, it's one from one of my favorite movies, uh, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> ah, <laughs> I was thinking The Passion or something. But. <laughs> no, oh no, no, I'm not that religious. <laughs> All right. Um, so we were going to talk about tonight. Uh, you specifically wanted to, to discuss a little bit about the Grey Knights Codex since it's been the most recent one, and uh, something that came up on the Fight Club, a specific. Uh, tactic to use to employ since we're talking about uh, this very small army of at least like 15 20 models and how they can stack their abilities or can they or can they not well it's not so much that there are only 15 or 20 models i mean if you really look at it their points cost is what they're about 20 points a model uh standing still with a uh with the two shot bolter that can move and shoot 24 inches right um i mean 20 points a model if you look at some of the chaos uh, models, like the special elite units, they cost about that much, and they can do a whole lot more than just uh, than than whatever is in the chaos codex. And, and I mean, now we're going to diverge a little bit off topic, but uh, I think a lot of times you can especially see it in the Blood Angels, where th- those points factor into the uh, the actual use of the model. And overall, I think that's actually where the Marines are going into now. I've always wondered why the Marines in the storyline have been this very small, dedicated force that have just kicked a lot of butt, but yet you feel like 50 or 60 of them in an army compared to your opponent. So I'm, I, almost to me, they're kind of bringing it back around, and maybe it's, it's on purpose or not, but I like seeing small Marine armies that are just like absolutely compact and powerful, uh, but yet... You know they have to take out like five times their number per marine in order to make it up. Oh yeah, so you're a fan of the movie Marines? Absolutely, I am. <laughs> did, did you actually ever play with the movie Marines though? I did. It was over the top. <laughs> <laughs> you had the Laz cannon that could like uh, it, it killed everybody in a straight line from it. Yep, yep, that was awesome. <laughs> No, like from so far from what I've seen, because I kind of took a break there for a while. Um, I came back during the Adepticon, and I got to play a bunch of games, and I saw the Blood Angels and everything. But it really feels like every what I'm really liking from each codex is that every codex that's coming out is different, and that's yes. what I'm really liking. I mean, if you look back, uh, it. It was at the tail end of third edition. Everything was kind of 
turning uh, streamlined. And I don't know if they were trying to do that to make it so that the tournament scene was more balanced. But, you know, I hated it. They had well, that was that was third edition. Uh, third was edition it? was yeah. Third edition itself was kind of bland. Um, I mean, if you want to look at it as an evolution, I think they get locked into it from third to fourth and how they changed it all. But they had blanded it so bad in third edition, and that's just how they ended. And I think uh, someone got smart finally and said, you know, we need to go back to our roots and, and put more character and more flavor in each of the armies so that. Uh, so, so that people want to have a hard choice between do I play Blood Angels or do I play, you know, Ultramarines? Oh, you, don't lie. You want to go all the way back to second edition and <laughs> start pulling out the cards. And... A little bit of me does, but, it, you know, I, I, someone who's played second edition really knows the pain and the horror that that, that game actually was. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what it was. I never played. I just hear the horror stories. It, yep, it was a fun game until some jackass pulled out a vortex grenade. <laughs> no, what was uh, what was our topic again? Again, it's kind of late. I'm just, I'm just trying to get on the the specific one. Oh well, specifically, you wanted to talk a little bit about gray knights and uh, uh, the the ability to do shunt and assault or shunt and scout move in the same turn. Yeah, it's. Uh... Now, I, I've been I've read over the rule for it, and I'm just kind of staring at it. And it's the ability to do something that would just make you kind of feel dirty. There's nothing against the rules that say that you can't do it. But, I mean, is there anything really else in the game that goes, hmm, you know what, I feel really kind of icky for, for doing this? Well, the, there was one was the chaos ability to infiltrate and get the first turn assault, and that was back, I think, in fourth edition. Uh, well, and the crew had that ability too back when uh, their uh, their chapter approved was still legal. Yep, but you know, I I gotta say, I've read the shunt and scout moves, and I don't see it as that big of a problem, uh, particularly because. Grey Knight armies are going to be very small. I mean, you're not going to see, you know, 30, 40 models on the table. At best, I mean, in 2,000 points with, you know, typical warrior heroes and everything, you might see maybe 30, 40 models. But if someone pulls a move like that, they're taking a huge risk to, to make sure it goes off. Right, but that's, it's also a very good chance that you have to eliminate one key model that you might be afraid of. Uh, that's true. That's uh, true. I mean, it's that's the whole. I mean, it, it, and it also, if the opponent looks at it and goes, "Okay, well, I don't have anything that can stop this guy. He's just going to jump in, and I'm going to hold everything in reserve." Then one model ended up forcing an army to stay in reserve because he's afraid that he might lose a key key model. And gray knights operate best at. 24 inches. Well, it's like 24 to 30 inch range because they're moving fire bolters. Right. So really, just having him on the table can play mind games to the to a average opponent and can force them into doing things that they might not normally do for deployment. So fielding, say, uh, any other model that does the same intent, psycho psychologically beating your opponent's a bad thing? 
No, no, it's never a bad thing. It's, it's just, uh, I don't know. I haven't done it in so long, so maybe I'm feeling a little bit clean from coming out <laughs> from, the, from the muck. <laughs> right. And now that I'm pulling out my towel, I'm like, what can I do to stop him? I'm like, Croot, get in the way, get in the way. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I've got to say that I think uh, it's it's one, there's Codex Creep, and I think the Chaos, or the, not Chaos, but the Grey Knight Army is kind of full of it. I mean, it brings a lot of new new elements to the table that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, namely, I mean, I mean, you look at it. I mean, they got like fifteen grenades, one for every every uh, uh, everything that could happen in the in the game and are at the moment. And one one Grey Knight squad stacks so much and brings so much in their war gear that it makes you go, "Really? This this can really happen?" Yeah, the green the uh, grenades were were crazy. So uh, I, I I always so, thought they were like, "Oh, you got you got was it the." psycho grenades i'm like oh so uh you get what offensive grenades Woo! <laughs> right i i don't think the 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 shunt scout move and any other of these kind of weird combos that that frankly to me are one-offs that if it goes off it's going to be huge but if it doesn't it's going to be huge just as big in the reverse i don't think they're so bad they're just they make you just go what really i can do that I, like go on you know, I, I was really thinking about Codex Creep, and it kind of exists, and it kind of doesn't exist. Um, because if you look at the old Codexes, uh, comparatively to the new ones, yeah, there's there's a huge difference in the new Codexes that come out, because the old ones that haven't been renewed in a while are just so outdated. Right. Um, but if you look at every single Codex that comes out, you always compare it against okay what's the what's the probably the the best codexes out there as of right now if you were to ask me i would say that it's probably space wolves guard and then it's a toss up between the other ones but those are the two that stand out to me as being the best now gray knights come out and they bring something different and Codex Creep might be partially that you're not familiar with the army, so therefore you have to develop tactics against it. You know, maybe you might tweak your army a little bit more, but it's that learning curve when it first comes out that might be free. Right, right. Exactly. It upsets the apple cart every time, and a lot of people don't like that. Right. And, I mean, just the big thing with uh, with the Grey Knights that... I just, whenever I look at the codex, I kind of just like shudder because I have the Tau codex in front of me. I'm like, oh, look, they have 20 points and they have uh, 20 points a model. My guys are 10 points a model and they can fire two shots and they can move and fire at, at, so have an effective range of 30 inches where I have to sit still and have an effective range of 30 inches. Right. Uh, and they're a higher toughness, better armor save, better ballistic skill, plus a bunch of cool abilities. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, and there are things like that that make you go get a little jealous because you want your, your codex or your baby to be treated with the same thing. I mean, a, a really good example of that is Dark Eldar. I oh. think Dark Eldar have always been very competitive, but they were, but even the old, old the last codex, as long as it lasted, it proves. I mean, it was a good codex. It just didn't get the loving care that everybody else got with some nice background, brand new models, a little bit of more stuff added to it, and some sexy thrown on top. 
And now that it has, I mean, essentially it's the same codex. You got more variety to it. You can do a little bit more. You got some great models now, but by and large, it's still the Darklands Toten army. It's always been. Yeah, I I did, I I did think of a few ways that you could run it a non, a non uh, raider heavy army, but really I feel there's only one way to truly run it, and that's that's the raiders again. Uh, yeah. You just need something to pop armor because in this edition. Just like last edition, the more armor you have, chances are the better are you're going to do. Yep, absolutely. I mean, and that's always been true of 40K, really. I think maybe you could argue 4th and 3rd edition. Uh, 4th was probably more foot slogger, but 3rd edition was the the reign of the Rhino Rush. Uh, but 5th really kind of brings that uh, that element of, of kind of more balance it, to me a little bit. But you're right. Overall, if you have the bigger guns, you're going to win. Yeah. So, so you know, reverting back to this, uh, the the specifically the Grey Knights and how it's kind of, at least maybe it's brought out a little bit more of the the, the codex creep in us all. What uh, what army is it, it for your mind? Is is codex creep uh, only with the new armies, or is there still like a codex out there that that still today is like making you oh man that was just screwed up from the get go? That codex is still broke, and and so on and so forth. Um, there's only two codexes that do that to me every time I look at a really competitive army, and that's the Space Wolves and the uh, and the Guard. You know the amount of tanks a Guard army can bring to a table, and the sheer disregard of of uh, you know etiquette at a friendly game. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> You know, I don't mind playing a uh, I don't mind playing a hardcore list as long as I am bringing a hardcore list. But the last thing I want to do is bring bring something that I think is going to be fun for the day, and I run into somebody who's running you know twelve chimeras all with guys inside with las cannons. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, and I never believed in that you know that idea that uh, the rock paper scissor in forty k. Because the equalizer was always uh, armor-piercing values and, uh, you know, melt the guns that could pop your armor. But I, the longer things have been going on in 5th edition, the less and less I'm believing in that. I'm really thinking uh, rock, paper, scissors coming along a lot more now than it ever has. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you can get uh, Space Wolf armies with 28 missiles shooting at you per turn. Yeah. Uh, you can get Space Wolf armies with the uh, with the Thunderwolf cavalry heavy lists. I mean, they're not in, they're not impossible to stop, but you know they're very difficult. Um, and and I find it amazing you say space wolves are uh, at the top, um, only because and especially in an armor heavy aspect because I never see space wolves since it, uh, space wolves is a armor heavy army. To me, maybe it's because I I devise my armies based on the background of the army itself. But Space Wolves are always foot sloggers, in my opinion. Maybe they have a couple tanks in their army when they're bigger, but at maybe 1,700, 1,850 and below, I'll have more troops in them than I would uh, vehicles. Yeah, well, I've seen, I mean, I've been to a few competitive tournaments around, and most of them, uh, when you look at the top tables at the end of the day, you're looking at guard, 
space wolves and mostly just guard and space wolves and then you might have another another army pop up in there but those are always on the top tables and what the what the space wolves bring to the table is a razorback spam like you've never seen followed by 15 missiles from the long fangs and a uh, and a average to pretty sweet ass uh, HQ choice. So let me let me switch tables on you here. A topic we didn't discuss before. And for those that listen, yes, I I actually publish notes and discuss my topics with my guests before I bring them on. But uh, I don't think we could probably talk uh, give credit to the topic of Codex creep unless we talked about um, what's better, the player or the army. So you were just saying that uh, if you look at the tournament scenes and you see the top armies that come out and Almost you're saying logically that those must be the best armies. So if the the tournament is about finding the best players, how is it that these are the best armies? Should it not be that if you're a top player, you should be able to win more often than not with any army out there? Oh, you you so clever, Jerry. You're so clever. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, you know what? It's totally true. You have to be a good player to win at 40k but lists help are is your tools for winning um, you can give the best players in the world I mean just someone that can tell you exactly what's 12 inches and what's 11 inches you know they know that distance and they can play that fine line of of uh, shooting running assaulting all that stuff and they have the tactics to back it up and you can give them a crappy army and they can do they can do well with it they'll do really well with it but that's what they're given but if they run up against a very very not a very very bad player but just a general average player or to a below average player that barely played the game and you give them a guard army that's sitting at at the end of the table with all lines and all he has to do is roll some dice I tell you what I bet uh, the I bet the army is going to win out that day especially if the other army doesn't have that much for uh, for anti-tank and doesn't have that much for speed he just doesn't have the tools it takes to take down that army so so really at the end of the day uh, fire and forget armies or well yeah armies that can become fire and forget will win out more and less. So really, the codex plays into it more than, than the players. Well, players always modify what's, what's there, you know? Okay. So if you have two fire-and-forget armies, alpha strike armies or whatever you want to call them, two guard armies play up against each other, and they're both from experienced players, then you can have a really good competitive game that's interesting to watch because you might have one guy end up flanking with with uh with some chimeras that are just trying to get side armor shots on one while the other one's trying to flank the other way and you can see some interesting maneuvers in there it's not just sit down and fire uh i've always wanted to run a a tournament that would be based on armies that are pre-made for individual not individuals but pre-made at every table that you alternate the players on each table. Oh, that would, would be play, interesting. And you would play up against each other. And it wouldn't be against you wouldn't be it wouldn't be the best army that came out that day. It'd be the best overall 
player. And you know what? There's always luck that goes into it, too. But I think that'd be the best way to find the best player if you wanted to find it. Yes, that would be. That would be really interesting. That would be better. That'd actually be a really good way to put to bed some of those questions. I mean, personally to me, I think the dice will determine who wins at the end of it all. Uh, Global Smack has often told me that he doesn't consider doesn't consider himself a good player. He just bets on the fact that you're going to roll worse than him. <laughs> and damn me if I don't prove him right every time. Well, you know what? Some players they just have that weird luck about them. You know exactly. So uh, a new segment that uh, I thought about in the last time we talked is uh, since, since there's been a lot of rumors about 6th uh, edition, what are your 6th edition predictions? Oh, Jesus, man. Um, there's nothing I can really say for 6th edition predictions. More of I would like to see less vehicles. Uh, I'm not going to hold you to it. <laughs> we can call them predictions, whether you're right or wrong. Well, fine. I would like to see, even though it's not going to happen, I'd like to see less vehicles on the table. Um, because it's codexes that really drive an addition on what you remember from it. Uh, you know what? Third edition wouldn't have been so crazy if you wouldn't have remembered the crazy rhino rush of the uh, Blood Angels. If Blood right. Angels didn't have rhinos, you'd be like, oh, they were Blood Angels. They were pretty crazy, but, you know, nothing huge. Um, but it's it's really the codexes that that will shape the edition and how people remember it. But I'm just hoping for less vehicles. Maybe go down to vehicle destroys on a four plus again. That'd be pretty sweet. I'm thinking there's going to be uh, pre measuring. No. Yes, I think uh, I think our days of of having to guess ranges are over. Well, I I always thought the best players could tell you the difference between. 12 and 11 inches. Um, I used to be really, I used to be able to walk that line really well, and that's how I always played well with my Tau, is that I could tell you the difference between 12 and 11 inches and what's going to be 24 inches and what's going to be, you know, 23 or 22. And I was so exact on those numbers that I could play the line of plasma range versus outside of plasma range of that 24 inches. Um, I've, I've denied Thunderwolf Cavalry armies the ability to charge just because I would just jump up within 24 inches, shoot them, jump off, back within 30. Right, yeah. I've, uh, it, I mean, how many basilisk shots have you missed because you couldn't guess a range or things like that? And when I was doing my, uh, when I was really into tournaments for a while to to see what all the hubbub was about, you get to the point where you can calibrate your eyeball to that to that exact inch. Um, oh. I mean, now I don't really care that much about doing it, so I'm usually more wrong than I'm right. But uh, and, and what I do now is I absolutely make sure I'm within range before I shoot. But that usually means it's too late sometimes. So, nah. But I do think six edition is going to get rid of. Uh, get rid of guessing and guesswork in the ranges. Yeah, I hope not because, I, well, of course, that's really the last thing to go. I mean, if you think of it, uh, what they get rid of in third edition to fourth edition was the ability to take out sergeants in close combat uh, with your sergeants, and then they jump from 
uh, 4th edition to 5th edition, they got rid of the ability of kill, of, uh, of kill zone removal and, you know, casualty removal. That was how you could really dictate who was, who knew what they were doing and who didn't was right. uh, casualty removal. And then now, and, you know, maybe this edition to next edition, maybe that's the next logical step. What's the one thing they can take away uh, that really gives players an edge, which would be pre-measuring? Well, if it comes down to being a good player versus another good player, wouldn't you want tactics to be involved instead of guesswork? I mean, it's it's tactics and, well, it, look, everything that you play is, is based on what the rules give you, you know? Yep, true, true. That being a prick when I ask that question, though, but... Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so what are your hobby picks? What do you got? Uh, what's what's really churning your butter on on forty k right now? Um, you know what? I am I'm going crazy into the Tau again, but uh, just for now, I'm really keeping my eye out on the Necrons. Oh yeah, Necrons. You know what? Everyone can say it, but I've always wanted to play like the Necrons and. People are going to be like, oh, you're just a bandwagon hopper or whatever. New Codex junkie. But honestly, I, I, I've always liked the Necrons. And the idea that you can, now that they're going to be less points, the idea that you can run like an actual legion of stuff uh, seems really cool. And the, and the changes that they're making to them, well, it, it's interesting. Yep, yeah, if the rumors are uh, even a little bit true, it, it'll be good. It'll be good to see the that really messed up will be back actually make more sense in, in the game. Yeah, I did. You know what? I, I like the fact that they are keeping, well, at least all rumors, is, but they're keeping the will be backs because I really thought that added a, like a layer of personality to that army. You know, if you just would have gave them feel no pain, it would have felt so blanketed and it wouldn't have felt so unique but right seeing that they're they're giving it to them i'm excited i i don't mind the rule at all i just don't think it works smoothly it's there's too much question in it it's really kind of difficult to do and even necron players sometimes do or don't know how to even use it Uh, right well the the current one is like that right 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 that's what i'm talking about right the new one on how people are saying it is how you roll form to get back up at the end of the phase is um that that will be just fine right yep it'll um yeah i'm, I'm glad it's not feel no pain either we couldn't we don't need another army with uh, feel no pain right right i mean what you have an entire army of blood angels with feel no pain right the well yeah i think they no they don't all get it well, I, I, uh, you can you can give it to them with the uh, with the priests. But. Right, right. But I do have a death guard, so I oh. do have an army with them. <laughs> what you mean? People still play chaos? Yeah, I still <laughs> I still play chaos. I play a lot of chaos. In I, fact, I, have, I I have all my chaos in the, in their boxes still. They're just waiting for legions of of chaos to come out because I want my world leaders to come back in style, man. Yeah, but no, chaos is good. Chaos is still a lot of fun to play. Still, at least uh, around well around my guys, and I'm getting ready to hear the insults on that. But uh, chaos still holds a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fear and some apprehension when you play them. 
even though you know the army i get it the armies are kind of generic and in fact amongst all this uh amongst all the colors and the rainbows of the rest of the armies the chaos is the only generic codex out there now so mm -hmm. i'll look forward to the day when we get our legions back that's absolutely sure i was about to call you a traitor there just saying <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I like Macaas. Macaas is good. Well, uh, Ian, thanks a lot. I know you got to get to work, and it's uh, late out there here in Arizona. It is only nine o'clock, so uh, I'll let you take off early a little bit, get some sleep, and get to work tomorrow. This is the librarian telling all you out there: shut up, roll the dice. What's up? Uh, nothing, man. Then I realized, I just realized a minute ago, I have no idea where my rental car keys are. Hobby Picks, where guests pick something that has interested them. Not sure why it needs that explanation. Seems pretty self-explanatory. Visit us on the web at www.40kfightclub.com. That's www.40kfightclub.com or .com.